Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word, which is alive and powerful. Shine your light into our hearts and give us understanding. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Being about the things of the Father. Well, I wonder why Luke, the Gospel writer, includes this story from Jesus' childhood. Really, it's the only story in all the Gospels that we have. Was it to teach us that Jesus was just like other 12-year-olds wandering off on his own? Or was it to show us that he wasn't like other 12-year-olds, that he was different? He had amazing understanding and answers that others didn't. Maybe it was to teach us both. In their humanity, Mary and Joseph must have been at least a wee bit worried at their son's disappearance. But they travelled on for a day. Maybe it was okay for the first 24 hours, though that seems quite a long time to be apart. But at least they were in a crowd, most of whom likely knew each other. Mary is quoted as saying, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Any parent who's lost a child even for a few moments will be able to relate to the mixture of emotions that such an event must cause. Luke has Jesus responding that there shouldn't have been any need for his mum and dad to search for him because they should have known where he'd be or what he'd be doing. It sounds a bit uncaring on both sides, but I think Luke is trying to record a story, or record from a story that he's heard about, in a way so as to emphasise Jesus' 100% commitment to his mission. Even at a, such a young age, an age nowadays associated in Jewish circles as the age of Bar Mitzvah, or entry into adulthood. Since about the Middle Ages, this coming of age in Judaism has meant that the child is now responsible for their own actions and can decide for themselves how they would like to practice their faith. And it's most common for boys at age 13 and girls at age 12. Although Jesus lived before these practices were introduced, there were likely similarities in thinking in Hebrew families. Think of the ancient Hebrew story of Hannah dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord and leaving him to grow up in the house of the Lord at Shiloh. The Hebrew Bible tells us the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favour with the Lord and with people. A verse almost identical to what Jesus to what Luke went on to say about Jesus. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Though he was wise enough to make the elders gulp in amazement, he wasn't beyond obediently returning home to Nazareth to live simply at home and grow quietly day by day. He was, of course, only twelve still a child on the verge of being a man. Some translations of the Bible suggest a particular interpretation. 
And here, the new international version perhaps isn't the best. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Perhaps this puts too much emphasis on a particular sacred place there in the temple at Jerusalem. But the Greek literally translates as, Did you not know it's necessary for me to be in the things of my father? What about the affairs of my father? Or concerned with my father's business? His will be done was the mindset of Jesus. I've no doubt that this is how Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, through being focused on the things of God his Father. Even towards the ends of his life, his cry was, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So what might this mean for us today? Is it simply that what matters most in life is being about the things of God, our Father, and to do so wherever we are, in whatever context we find ourselves? Or might it be that we identify with Mary or Joseph as they search and search and then rejoice and then learn to let go and to treasure in their hearts the fleeting glimpses of Christ before them? Luke writes about Mary that she treasured all these things in her heart. Not understanding everything, asking questions. Why? How come? When? What will he be? Yet knowing that journey with God will be one of trial and blessing, of hurt and laughter, of tears and joy, of fragile things and confident things, of darkness and light. And, then, and that in the end all will be well, for it's all in good hands, the, the hands of a father who cares and whose business is for the good of all, whose business is love. The good news is that through the gift of the Spirit of God, we have that same mind of Christ so that our call to follow God is one we can truthfully respond to. We can, like Jesus, be about our Father's business, concerned with the business of love in this world. As Richard Rohr put it recently, God is calling everyone and everything, not just a few chosen ones, to God's self. To get everyone and everything there, God first needs models and images who are willing to be conformed to the body of his death and transformed into the body of his resurrection. These are the new creation and their transformed state is still seeping into history and ever so slowly transforming it into life and life more abundantly. Which I think by which he simply means that God is looking for people with the obedience of Jesus to pray, Father, your will be done. Hence, why the Lord's Prayer contains those key words, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the business of God the Father. And we know that his way is love. Yes, it's right to stand 
amazed in awe and wonder at the wisdom of Jesus, the boy teacher. But it's right too to seek to be like Jesus in every way by seeking to be obedient and to grow in wisdom and favour like he did. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus the teacher, for his example of obedience to your will and growth in the things of you. As we seek to follow him, may we trust your Holy Spirit at work in us to do your will and see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.